Time for a bit of soccer. Time for a bit of football of the round ball variety. Time for the beautiful game with a British twist. Welcome to EPL Junkie. Football is back. Mourinho is back. Pep is here. Conti is here. Arsenal is still rubbish. Martin is still in Rio. I'm on my own. Here we go. You are listening to USA Today's EPL Soccer Junkie. Love having this man on the show. Liverpool legend and ESPN FC analyst, Steve Nicol. How are you doing, Stevie? I'm good, Sophie. Thanks. Are you pleased the new season is back already? Were you ready to get back to work? I, I remember when you were playing, there was a bit more of a distance between the end of the season and the start of the season. It's uh, it's like 365 days now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, obviously because of the Euros as well, it seems as though there really hasn't been much of a break, but that's good. Um, if you like watching football, which I do, then it's fantastic. <laughs> well, Liverpool got off to a good start, and I would rather focus on Liverpool than Arsenal uh, today. For... I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it was a case of Liverpool just playing so poorly in the first half and they found their rhythm in the second half? Do you think Jurgen Klopp is like one of the best managers at half-time team talks? Or, or, they, they made Arsenal look great in the first half, Stevie. What was your assessment of the complete contrasting um, performances over the 90 minutes? Uh, I think clearly Liverpool were given a kick up the backside by Klopp at half-time. No question about that. Um, as far as the first half, Liverpool were extremely poor. Uh, I thought Arsenal were just average. Um, I thought Arsenal started the game a little hesitantly, which which you would expect considering the the changes they had, uh, and Liverpool didn't take advantage of that and found themselves behind. So I don't think Arsenal were particularly great. I think they were average, and Liverpool were really poor. But uh, second half, as I said, Klopp no no question gave them a kick up the backside, and and it was a completely different Liverpool side. In fact, it was the Liverpool side that played Barcelona a couple of weeks ago that turned up for the second half. And Arsenal had no answer for it. Um, the personnel Arsenal had out uh, at the weekend weren't capable uh, of really responding. They did get two goals, but I mean, when you go 4-1 down at home, even though you get two back, a 4-3 loss at home is a horrible way to start the season. Yeah, horrific way to start the season. And just to circle back the halftime team talk, you've played for some amazing managers, been part of some incredible teams. And to me, it was glaring. Arsenal went in at halftime, they got worse. Liverpool go in at halftime, they come out like world beaters. How important is that halftime team talk? Sometimes players want managers to quiet the chaos and the noise just so they can process, you know, what's coming in the next 45 minutes. But for you, Stevie, how important is that? And especially in the modern game, does that halftime team talk become even more important? Um, listen, that, the halftime team talk is usually easy when your team has been so poor because, listen, I remember coming off the field at halftime after some, some bad first halves as a team and, and, and as an individual, no one felt well what was coming. You know what's coming. Um, so... The fact that Liverpool came out and, and were like world beaters didn't surprise me. Uh, it certainly didn't surprise me they were better. Um, I'd have to say, though, I've got some sympathy with Arsene Wenger because his team talk is, is more of encouragement. 
because of the team that he, he had on the field. Um, I don't think Arsenal were any worse in the second half than they were in the first half. They just they were just playing against a different team in the second half. Arsenal played the way I think we all expected Arsenal to play when we saw the lineup. You know, we weren't expecting Arsenal to to be the Arsenal of old and quick passing and moving and creating chances and scoring goals because when you see the lineup. You just don't see that happening. So this this really was a case of no question. Liverpool were going to be better in the second half because they had to be. Uh, but for a spell, they were they were kind of unplayable. With that said, though, I mean, if you look at Liverpool's lineup, you've you've got uh, Clavin looked really like a great buy, to be honest. But you've got a very suspect defence that came into major questions last season. Uh, you had Henderson, who still is coming back from a major injury, hadn't played very much. Firmino, who's been up and down. Coutinho's had a long summer. Two really good signings in uh, Mane and Wijnaldum. Uh, they look so impressive and, and made, made, look to make you guys even even better. Uh, were they the difference? Were those two players the major difference in that second half, Stevie? Uh, to be honest, I think it's the front six, uh, if you want to call it that, uh, because we saw what happens when the when anybody, including Arsenal, gets to to that Liverpool back four, but going forward, that front or that front six were were great, uh, and that was without Chan. I, I think Lalana has to sit and Chan has to come in with Henderson and Wijnaldum, and and to me that's a real strong three. They're, the three of them are capable of getting box to box. They can all pass the ball. Wijnaldum can score goals. Uh, Henderson, you know, is going to work his heart out, and and I think Chan was. Sam was Liverpool's best player last season. Mm. I lied to the front three. I mean, Manny, wow. when he's on, is, is so dynamic and so exciting. Coutinho's the same when he's on. I mean, you just you can't keep your eyes off him. And, and if they can get Daniel Sturridge fit, I think it's an incredible front six. But even with Firmino, who, who actually does a lot of hard work, um, that, that's, that's really where Liverpool's strength is, that front six. No question, the weakness is, is the back four. The back four is definitely the weakness and Moreno is a liability. We asked some Liverpool fans to send in a question for you today and Caleb had a really great question that we wanted to play for you. Here it goes. Hi, Steve. Uh, everyone's been talking about our issues at left-back, um, but I also thought uh, yesterday there was a distinct lack of cover uh, for our centre-backs in midfield. Do you think Klopp needs to sign a dedicated defensive midfielder by the end of the transfer window, or can Emre Chan be coached to uh, serve as a destroyer in midfield? Well, I would I would suggest that actually just buying somebody to stick him in front of the back four means that you've got one less going forward. I I like the fact that they've got the three in the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's be honest. There are going to be times in a game when the opposition are going to have are going to take on your back four. I mean, that's just the way it is, and you have to stand up and be counted as a defender. That's that's the bottom line. Um, it also means you have to get players who can defend. Uh, clearly, Moreno can defend. I'm not a huge fan of Lovren. He's either good or he's bad. There's no there's no middle ground. Klein and and Clavin are real solid. You know exactly what you're getting. But at the end of the day, there are going to be times when the opposition get to the back four and they have to stand up and be counted. And that's the bottom line. I, 
I think if Liverpool go out and just buy a a, a a stopper in front of the back four, I think that's taken away from what Klopp wants to do, which is he, he wants to play a pressing game. He wants to press the ball. Um, and when you press the ball high, half the reason you do it is to keep the opposition away from your end of the field anyway. So, no, I wouldn't go out and buy a, a, a stopper in front of the back four. Um, I like what Chan does already. I think Chan will start... Uh, in the next game, and, um, and and it's a strength of Liverpool's that 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 six going forward, um, the back four have to stand and be counted. That's that's the basics of it. Yeah, thanks for your question, Caleb. That was a, a great question. So when you look at Liverpool, they've been in the wilderness a little bit in in the last few years. They got so close the Brendan Rodgers season with Suarez. Do you feel like under Klopp? Now they're really starting to evolve as a team. And now really in this season, there's no argument that Liverpool have to finish in that top four. I mean, some people have gotten super excited about them saying, oh, this they could potentially win the league. It's still a transition year with Conti's new, Pep's new, Mourinho's still building at United. Is is the realistic target top four and, and are, are Liverpool back? Uh, the realistic target, absolutely, is top four. Uh, it's far too early to say Liverpool are back. They've won one game, uh, albeit scoring four goals away from home, but, but they did lose three. So there are still things that need sorted out. I think I think with Klopp, we, we kind of know that Liverpool are going to be good to watch. They're going to be dynamic. The players he's brought in are dynamic players. So clearly that's who he wants to play the game. And I think that's, how Liverpool, that's what Liverpool fans want to see. They want to see players going after it and, 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 and not sitting back and trying to play on the break and all that sort of nonsense. Liverpool go after teams, particularly at Anfield. So I think that's what Klopp's going to do. And I, and I actually think that what he's actually doing is putting a real base down so that in the next few years, yes, yes, they have to try and get in the top four. Can they do it? Yes, they can. But I think more importantly, if he puts a real strong base down, that Liverpool in the next two, three, four, five, six years can 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 get back to being consistently in the top four and consistently challenging for titles. Um, then then that's that's what I see happening. Uh, and and to me, Klopp Klopp kind of reminds me of uh, of the old school Liverpool managers, mm. where they're just brutally honest. You know, yeah. Bob Paisley, Fagan, Tal Gleish. I mean, they were all brutally honest. You know, there was no, there was no talking round after games, and oh, we were, we did really well when we did, and you know, he says it as it is, and and that's what they were like. And so, I'm glad to see that we now have a manager who's going to tell us, not just the players, what's what. I love that too. I think that's so refreshing. I think that's something that Arsenal could definitely use a little bit of his his candidness and. And the way he is with players, he's good cop, bad cop as well, isn't he? He he can put your arm around you, but he's gonna he's gonna give you a timeout if if you've not done something right on the pitch. When we talk about that old culture that you were involved in, and you could feel that Liverpool buzz coming back, it's a beautiful thing in British football. I think when Liverpool are good, I think it's great for the game. How would uh, players like Sunis and? Steve McMahon and Rushy and those guys reacted to someone like Klopp in terms of how he was on the sidelines. Would that have flown back then with players like that? 100%. Really? 
hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> when when your manager is is honest with you, and he's and and Klopp's to me is brutally honest as Kenny was. Kenny was brutally honest. I mean, you 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 let your standard drop the one inch, and he was all over you. But that's what keeps you going. That's what that's what motivates you to be the best all the time. Now the fact the fact that he's running about on the sideline only tells you as a player that he's bothered and he cares. Mm. Now back then managers didn't do that. But at the same time, you gotta remember, managers were stuck in a dugout under the ground. So they couldn't <laughs> there wasn't a lot of room to move around anyway. And if they, if they were excited they would have to climb up ladders to get on anyone near the pitch. So, you know, Kenny Dalglish and all these other guys were just as excited, but as I said, they were uh, they were in a bunker under the pretty much <laughs> under the ground back then. But not at all. He, he, his his antics would would be fine, as I said. Um, I don't I don't mind it at the appropriate times. Uh, that's that's the important thing. It's it's as long as it's done at the appropriate time. Yeah, I think you've got a 12th man and a 13th man when you add Klopp and you add the fans to the season. And then even when you see Conti jumping into the crowd and celebrating, I think it's just so awesome for football because they see that these managers, like you said, Stevie, really, really do care. I'm curious um, about how he deals with Sturridge. And, you know, we all love Sturridge when he plays. He's so talented and he's such a beautiful player to watch. You referenced him when we first started our conversation. As a fellow, um, as a colleague in the dressing room, do you start getting a bit peed off with Sturridge? Not because he's injured, because injuries happen, but maybe because how he personally handles those injuries and how frustrating it can be for the team and the club. As a teammate, are you pulling him aside? Are you saying anything? Does that bother you? Not at all. No, why should it bother anybody when you've got a You've got a professional player who wants to play because there's no question Sturridge wants to play, but he's just unfortunately one of those guys that that picks up injuries. I mean, if anything, you feel bad for him, and actually, and actually, it frustrates you as well because he can't actually play. You know, when you've got a great player sat in the stand when he could be on the field next to you playing and winning games for you and the team and the fans and everybody else, you actually feel bad for him. It's not. A, it's not a case of anybody pointing the finger uh, whatsoever. Mm. Absolutely not. Is it? Is it not? Is it not um, a thing with him that has been reported whereby he doesn't like to play through pain, and so sometimes it's difficult for the staff to judge, you know, whether he can play or not because maybe he's a little finickety about that. You know this this nonsense that people come out about. Oh, he doesn't want to play through the pain. I mean, seriously, give me a break. You know, we're talking about when this guy gets injured, he doesn't have bruises. You know, when you talk about playing through pain, you're talking about bruises or or cuts and things like that. You cannot play if you have a problem with a muscle. And this guy either does his ankle tendons or or has a hamstring or it's a thigh. I mean, when it's a muscular injury, you can't play. It's not a case of playing through pain. You cannot play properly. And Daniel Sturridge is a centre-forward who relies on his, his little turn of pace uh, and that dynam, dynamism 
that isn't there when you're carrying a muscle injury. So, you know, I hate when people point the finger when they actually have no idea what's going on and just say, well, he obviously doesn't want to play through the pain. I mean, that, 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 that's actually disrespecting Daniel Sturridge. Yeah, he he's um he's definitely a player that Liverpool are going to need and and there's always a lot of stuff that's said when a player suffers through a lot of injuries like that. Same with Jack Wilshere at Arsenal. And you want to see these young players excelling and performing at the highest level. You're listening to USA Today's EPL Soccer Junkies. We just have a couple more questions here with Liverpool legend Stevie Nicol. Thanks again for joining us today, Stevie. When you look at the Premier League this season. Um, some people feel like it's still a transi- transition season because some managers, great managers, are in the league for the first time. And, you know, uh, un- unlike Mourinho, who's been there before and has won before. What do you think Liverpool's chances are of really... You talked about top four, but with some of those teams still trying to gel these new players together, is there a chance... That not a Leicester, but another outside team could win the league this year. Do you see anything like that happening again? No, I don't. I I, I don't see it at all. I mean, I, I think you're right in, in saying that. And, and to be honest, I think I know everybody's saying that Conte hasn't been in the league before, and Pep Guardiola hasn't been in the league. But to me, the transition is all about the teams. All all the teams have have hit a spot that the teams do you know eventually players get older and you have to change things but it just seems as though three or four of the bigger name teams actually have hit that point at the same time um, and I think that started last year which which is probably one of the, the big reasons why Leicester went on to win the league mm. uh, because of what was going on with, with the other big teams so those big teams are still going through transition but um, but I just can't see it happening again. I, I don't. I don't see it. I mean, who's going to do it? You know, is it going to be a Stoke? Is it going to be a Southampton? I don't see that. They're getting rid of their players. Is it an Everton? I, I really don't see a surprise this year at all. I think no question. It's going to be one of the big boys. Who do you fancy? Um, I, I'm going to go with City. Um. I just, I just think when you've got a front three with De Bruyne, Silva, and Aguero, you're going to get goals. And if and if Pep can sort out that back line, uh, then I think they're the team to beat. Which current Liverpool player will get you out on this one? Which current Liverpool player makes it into your Dalglish side? Hmm. I'm not sure I would swap any of them for. <laughs> 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 I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure I would swap any of them at the moment. Could uh, would Coutinho even survive a season in well, in the then, league so back then? Gonna, so you're going to move John Barnes from the left hand side to play Coutinho? That's not happening. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just asking if he could have even have made a I, season. Are you going to play Sturridge or Firmino ahead of Rush? I don't think so. Are you going to play Manny ahead of Beardsley? I don't think so. Are you going to play Klein ahead of Nickel? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's always good to talk to you. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And no um, we look forward to having you again on during the season, Steve. Thanks a lot. Okay, no problem. Cheers. Cheers.